Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. So that man can find out nothing that will come after him. As we look at this passage, we are immediately told, consider the work of God. And if we were to pause there for a moment without reading further, we might ask, what work of God should we consider? And maybe the works of God that we would consider immediately upon hearing this command, consider the works of God would be something like God's great works of creation. Our mind might go to a passage like Psalm 8 and verse 3. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? We might also think, having been told, consider the work of God, we might think of the great works of God which he, did, has, which he has done on behalf of his people in powerful ways in history. We might think of a passage like 1 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he hath done for you. We might even think of the words of our Savior when he said, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither have storehouses nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Or of his words, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And so we might think of these passages immediately. If I'm going to consider God's works, let me consider his great works of creation. Or let me consider his great works of providence in which he has worked on behalf of his people or let us further consider God's great care for his people but this is not what we are told to consider in this passage is it instead we are told to consider a different kind of work look at what it says in verse 13 for consider consider the work of God for who can make straight what he has made crooked? In verse 14, in the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. There's that word again. In the day of adversity consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. So instead, in this passage of being told to consider the great and marvelous works of creation, or the great and marvelous works of God on behalf of his people in history, or the great and powerful works of God's care toward his people, we are told instead to consider a crooked work of God. 
Now, that seems strange to apply to God, that word crooked. Back in the 1600s, a Scottish Puritan, if we can apply that term to the Scottish church, named Thomas Boston, wrote a helpful book with this title, The Crook in the Lot. And when he said crook, he was not talking about a criminal. He was talking about something that was bent or crooked. And in the lot, he didn't mean some parcel of land. He meant our lot in life. He wrote this entire book to contemplate, really, Ecclesiastes 7, verses 13 and 14. The lot is one's lot in life, and the crook is that part which is crooked rather than straight. And this is the work that the author of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, tells us that we must consider. The crooked work of God. This work of God is perplexing. It's perplexing, it's crooked from our perspective, of course not from God's. He is working all things after the counsel of his will, everything is straight and plain as he has designed it, but from our perspective, this work is crooked. It's crooked as opposed to straight or smooth or expected. It's that thing that we encounter in life when we expect life to look this way or go this direction. And all of a sudden, it's going a different direction. It's very difficult for us. Very perplexing. Why is life turning out this way? Not only is this work, this crooked work, Perplexing, it is also painful. This work is crooked, bringing adversity as opposed to prosperity. You see it there in verse 14. The day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. It is a time of pain. It's a painful time. We can also say that this is not only perplexing and painful, but it is powerfully persistent. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? This work is crooked beyond our ability to straighten it. It persists in spite of our best efforts and our most desperate prayers. There it remains. catch a hint of this in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Burdened beyond measure, above strength. There was nothing that Paul could do to change his lot in life. It was above his strength, 
burden beyond measure. This burden was something that was powerful and it was persistent. Furthermore, it was in this work of God, this crooked work of God, is prolonged. Its effects last upon us more than just merely in the moment. We don't think of something as a crooked work of God that is quickly fixed. Something that is a mere trifle that troubles us for a moment and then is gone. That's not really something that fits with us as this crooked work of God that we cannot make straight. Not those short inconveniences that sort themselves out very quickly, but this is something that is persistently, uh, powerfully persistent, and it is prolonged. Again, thinking of the Apostle Paul and his words to the Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8. Paul would say, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. That thorn in the flesh. Paul would have prayed a whole lot more than three times had God not answered him when he did. It was prolonged. And even when he received the answer, the thorn was not taken away. The crooked thing was not made straight. So this crooked work of God is perplexing. Life doesn't go the way that we think that it should, that that makes sense to us, that we expect. It's painful. It brings adversity instead of prosperity. It's powerfully persistent. We cannot make it straight. It's prolonged. Not a mere trifle, but something that stays with us. It's also, we could say, providential. Which is to say that this work is crooked by God's decree. It is called the work of God. Verse 13. And verse 14, we are told, surely God has appointed this crooked work. This day of adversity. This is something that God, in his plan and providence, ordains and allows in our life. This is something that God often brings about through secondary causes. Sometimes there is direct evil, an evil action that someone might do against us that brings about this crooked work, and yet God is the one that does it. Think, for example, of Joseph. Joseph would say about his brother's treatment of him, As for you, you meant evil against me. Genesis 50 and verse 20. But God meant it for good. It could be brought about not only by evil actions and intentions of people. That God ordains and allows. But it can be brought about by innocent actions. 
Someone doesn't intend evil against you, or a circumstance comes that in itself is not an evil thing, and yet it brings that crookedness into your life. That difficult, painful, prolonged trial. I think about innocent things that can mess things up. I have to tell a story on myself, and some of you have heard me tell this story before. Uh, some of you know Pastor Daniel Olson. Uh, Pastor Daniel is my best friend apart from my wife, for sure. And uh, we were actually roommates in Bible college, my final year there at Bible college. And uh, this was back in the day when not everyone had a computer, had a laptop. Uh, we had a computer lab, but not everyone had that. And, and some people, though, uh, were able to get their hands on what was called a word processor. Some of you might remember the word processors back in the day. Well, I came back from my classes, and Daniel, I th- or I came back from work, rather, in the evening, and Daniel had been working on something there. And he was using his word processor, and he was sitting at the desk. And I simply, wearied by the day, came and laid down on my bed. Well, little did I know that he had plugged the word processor, not into that plug over there, but in the plug that was closest in his thinking, and stretched the cord across the bed and plugged it in on the other side. So when I laid down, unplugged the plug, and there went all of his work and effort on that paper. That was an innocent action, uh, but it messed him up a little bit, and he had to redo it again. And sometimes God uses things that are intended to be evil by the people who bring them against us, not from God's perspective, but people will intend evil against us. And sometimes it'll just be innocent things, even random things, that in the end bring that crook painful part into our life. But friends, inasmuch as it is a work of God, inasmuch as it is providential, it is God ordaining it, we can also believe that it is purposeful. This work is the the crooked stick, if you will, that God uses to make straight his own ways. And, And I think as we pursue this passage In further messages, we'll consider what purpose does God have in bringing that crooked work into our lives. But let me just say in summary of what we said, we could say that this work of God is a crooked, painful providence. It happens in different ways. Sometimes we are given what is painfully unexpected. Sometimes something enters into our life and it is immediately painful. And will then change our lives for the rest of our life or major portions of it. I think about our brother Rob and his accident painfully unexpected. And that crook, that crooked way of God 
changed his life. And the lives of those around him. Sometimes it's immediately painful. Sometimes the pain is delayed. Sometimes we get something from God that we expect to be of great comfort to us. And we later find ourselves hurt or in trouble as a result of this. Our pain mingles with the joy and sometimes even seems to overwhelm it. Thomas Boston in his book, The Crook in the Lot, makes this statement, So do men find their greatest cross where they expected their greatest comfort. He says also, Since all is not only vanity but vexation of spirit, it can hardly miss. But the more of these springs of comfort are open to a man, in other words, the more gifts and graces that God gives to us, he must at one time or another find that he has the more sources of sorrow to gush out and spring upon him. The sorrow always proportioned to the comfort found in them or expected from them. We think that something will be of great comfort or stability or help to us and find that sorrow comes as a result of it. It feels all the more painful to us in light of what we had hoped or even previously experienced. Sometimes in God's providence we are given what is painfully unexpected. Sometimes we are not given what we had expected. We think that God might provide for us something. That spouse, that job, that opportunity. And it never comes. Sometimes we have something that we once held dear and God takes it from us. This crooked work of God may touch us physically. Taking from us our health. Impacting us or those that we love in ways that we would never have imagined. In ways that we cannot change. This crooked work of God may touch us mentally or emotionally. Might think that we have our, ourselves in a very strong place emotionally and mentally, and yet we find that instead of that, we experience weakness and trouble, affliction and depression of the mind and spirit. This crooked work may touch us relationally, as friends that we hoped would remain with us may. Leave either by death or other kinds of departure. Friends that we once thought would be committed to us may leave. Marriages sometimes break down. Estrangement happens between members of families. Our relationships may not be what we had hoped. Instead of bringing great comfort to us, we find that they bring to us confusion and pain. 
This crooked work may also touch us vocationally as it relates to our job, as it relates to what we expected to do with our lives. Perhaps we train and prepare and hope that the job that we have prepared for will bring us some measure of satisfaction, perhaps even financial stability, maybe even some sort of purpose, sense of purpose and fulfillment. And we find, having spent all of the time to prepare for that job, and then having spent years in that job, we find ourselves trapped in a job that brings us none of those things, or very few of them. As I was thinking about this passage and thinking about our church, I think there's a sense in which this church has been profoundly touched by the crooked works of God. We are, of course, fewer in number now under these COVID conditions, but I think about the numbers of people in our church that are touched by physical disability of one kind or another. We have a disproportionately high percentage of people who are touched by some kind of physical disability. We have a high percentage of people who struggle with visual impairment. That's a crook in the lot. That's a crooked work of God. We have people touched by other forms of disability. Our brother Rob, consigned to the wheelchair, serving God with such fervor, and yet that's a crooked work of God. We have connected with our church four families touched by autism. I don't think any one of our families would have planned that one out, expected that one. That's a little more crooked. That's not that straight line of life that we were expecting and maybe hoping for. That's not what we imagined when God gave us kids. It's a crooked work of God. But the point that I want us to to lean on this morning, I want to explore this passage more in in subsequent messages, but this morning I, I want us to grasp this truth that this is a work of God. If I can move at this point to a word of application, and I have two points of application that perhaps will help drive home what I'm getting at. Our main point is that these Crooked works are works of God. That God is the one who has made things crooked. God is the one who has appointed adversity as well as prosperity. He is the one who has done it. Either by his immediate action or by secondary causes... He has allowed and ordained this into our lives. So let me give you two thoughts of application. First, it is to the benefits, it is to the benefit of saints that they consider 
the crooked work of God and not ignore it. It is to the benefit of saints that they consider the crooked work of God and not ignore it. There's a tendency within Christian circles to only focus on the happy clappy. And you can see this tendency in hymn books. There's not a lot of hymns that speak about the darkness and difficulty of the human experience. We like the more positive things. And yet, we are told here, consider the work of God. We must consider God's work, not condemn it. Which is our reflex, isn't it? If something runs cross-grained against our desires and our purposes, well... God must be wrong in what he's doing. We might not say that, but we think it. We must consider this recognizing that we cannot control it. This is God's work, and when he makes something crooked, in this sense, we cannot straighten it. This command... To consider the crooked work of God is commanded for our benefit. It's not only all that God ordains that, to, that is to our benefit, it's also the, all that God commands that is to our benefit. And so if God says, okay, wait, I want you not just to think about my great and glorious acts of creation, my great and glorious acts of redemption, my great and glorious acts of history and how I've worked in the past, not just those things, but I want you also to think about my dark and difficult dealings with you. God is telling us that because it is for our benefit. One of the things that it profits us by is it confronts us with the clarity of reality. Confronts us with the clarity of reality. People that live their lives denying reality may become some funny memes on the internet but are not living profitable lives. And the same is true of Christians in their spiritual walk. There is no benefit to us to pretend like everything's straight when God's made some things crooked. And I know that sometimes that, that, that makes us uncomfortable, right? I'm not saying it's the only thing we should consider, but we should consider it. By the way, Verse 14 gives us a help here. We're supposed to rejoice in the day in the day of prosperity or also to consider in the day of adversity. Christian life is mingled with joy and pain. Prosperity and adversity. But we are not we are given the clarity of reality when we consider. When we deny reality including God's own work in our lives We are not helped by it. 
We'll talk some more in the future about God's purposes in all this, but imagine this scenario for a moment. Imagine if you found yourself in a very difficult place financially. You needed a thousand dollars. And I said, friend, well, imagine that this is not just, that it's not COVID conditions and so cash is still allowed. I say to you, friend, I know you're in a difficult situation and you need a thousand dollars. I am going to give you a thousand dollar bill right now. And you say, God, that's so funny. Thousand dollar bills don't exist. There's no such thing as a thousand dollar bill. That's silly. And no, I have this for you. No, 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 no. Thousand dollar bills don't exist. And you refuse to take that thousand dollar bill because you say thousand dollar bills don't exist. Denying reality, particularly in God's providences in our lives, is to our hurt rather than our help. Let me give you one benefit that we receive as we consider the crooked work of God instead of ignoring it. And that is that we are driven to wisdom and humility. We are driven to wisdom and humility as we consider God's crooked work. In the difficult days of these past few weeks, a passage that has been on my mind often is Isaiah 42 and verse 3. It's also quoted in the New Testament. We know that it refers to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 42 verse 3 says, A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. It's a comforting passage. that speaks about the great care of our Lord. We may be bruised by the work of our Savior. But we will not be broken. We will not be destroyed. Richard Sibbs, a Puritan, wrote a book called The Bruised Reed. And he says in his book, after conversion we need bruising. That reeds may know themselves to be reeds and not oaks. You understand what he's saying there? We have a tendency to have a much greater opinion of how strong we are how much we can handle how tough we are and Sibs very wisely and pastorally reminds us even after we're saved God may bruise us to bring us to the place where we recognize our need for salvation but even after we're saved we still need to be bruised so that we remember that we're reeds and not oaks Continues, even reeds need bruising by reason of the remainder of pride in our nature and to let us see that we live by mercy. 
And so, friends, these crooked works are works of God. That is the truth. The application is that we must consider the crooked work of God and not ignore it. Second, it is a comfort to the saints that the crooked work of God is ordained by God. It is a comfort to the saints that the crooked work of God is ordained by God. Knowing God in Christ, we find comfort that he has ordained this and he is controlling this painful providence. Now, I want to I just say that right now, I'm speaking primarily to those who have trusted in Christ. As we turn our attention to the purposes that God has for the crooked work that he brings into our lives, we will see that God even has a purpose at times in bringing crooked uh, works into the lives of unbelievers to bring them to faith. But I want us to think right now about those who are believers. Right now, if you are not yet a believer, I want to remind you of the gospel, though. The scripture tells us that we are all, by nature and by choice, sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because we are sinners by nature and by choice, we deserve punishment from God. God is holy and just and cannot look with kindness and affection upon sin. It runs contrary to his own righteousness. Because God is holy, sin must be judged. But God who is holy is also rich in mercy. And he sent his son to live and to die for sinners. Jesus came to live a perfectly righteous life earning for us a righteous standing with God if we will trust in him. He came to pay the penalty for our sin, bearing God's wrath against sin and sinners. And the good news is that Jesus has come to open the way of salvation. And all who will turn from their sins and trust in him will be freed and forgiven and saved forever. That's the gospel. I hope that if you have not yet trusted Christ, you will do so. But I suspect that most within this room have believed the gospel. Have professed faith in Christ. It is a comfort to you. The saints. God's chosen people. It is a comfort to the saints. That the crooked work of God is ordained by God. God is the one who has ordained it. We know God, that he loves us. If it is God that has ordained this crooked work in our life, we know that his love sets boundaries on this. He will not give us a crooked Uh, A crooked way, a crooked work that goes beyond the boundaries of his love. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. We know that he is a God of power. 
and that in his power he controls and directs these crooked works in our life. We think about these crooked works and we might look at all of the secondary causes. I have a terrible boss. It's making my life horrible. I have this anxiety or this depression. I have this physical challenge in my life. And we look at all those secondary causes. But remember, brothers and sisters, that over and above all of that is a God. A God of perfect power. His power controls and directs these crooked works. God never says oops. God never slips in his dealings with us. Everything is perfectly under his control. And friends, in his wisdom, he sets their purpose. We are going to go into some of the purposes for this God being gracious as we continue to explore this passage in subsequent messages. But just for the moment, think of who God is. Remember who God is. A God who is a God of perfect power and sovereignty. A God who loves his children. A God who is the only wise God. Friends, this is the God who has ordained that crooked work. And that's a comfort. It's not just random. It's not just... This horrible thing that's happened in my life and has no purpose and no control. God has ordained it. The God who loves you. The God who sits upon the throne of heaven and earth. The God who is in himself all wisdom and truth. That is the God who has made this work crooked in your life. Trust him. So in our time away, we've had all kinds of wonderful adventures, one of which was, had to do with Joel's teeth. So Joel had been having some pain in his teeth, and we were able to get an appointment at Holland Bloorview, and that's normally where he gets his teeth dealt with. And we were told there that, okay, this is, I don't know if I... If, I don't know if you've, any of you have heard this expression, but these are unprecedented times. Um, anyways, so in these unprecedented times, we couldn't just get him in to have this thing done. Joel being Joel, he fights against everything. Some of you know that. So you couldn't just do a quick dental job on him because he would fight about that. He would have to have, have to go under. He would have to have the anesthesiologist deal with him. But the anesthesiologist said, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to make sure that he doesn't have COVID. Well, if Joel is going to fight against the anesthesiologist, do you think he'll feel any better about taking the COVID test? Of course not. And so the dentist said, well, maybe this pain will come and go and maybe he'll be able to deal with it. Well, after a little while, it became apparent that he could not deal with this. And Sarah took him down to sick kids, where it was confirmed that he had an abscessed tooth and a very, very badly infected gums. 
and Joel had three teeth taken from him that night, and he had no COVID test. But Joel comes home, and he's had this massive infection in his gums, and of course, what do you need to give to someone who's had a massive infection? Antibiotics. So we have to give him his medicine three times a week. Do you think Joel appreciated that? Nay, in no wise did he appreciate that. And he fought and struggled and wrestled against us. And initially, it took three of us to get this medicine into him. And, and, I, and I use the word into, expression into him loosely because a lot of it just got spit out. And, and, I would, and I would, as I'm wrestling with him, trying to squeeze this medicine into his mouth as John and Sarah are trying to hold him down, I'm thinking, Joel, can you not just trust us? We're doing this for your good. Are you all in here with me? Isn't that the same thing that happens when God's crooked work comes into our lives? How often do we fight and struggle against it? How often do we get angry and bitter about it? Friends, this isn't just a thing that happens with autism. It's a thing that happens with Christians. You can trust God. I'm not saying it's not painful. It is. I'm not saying it's not perplexing. It is. I'm not saying it's not persistent. It is. I'm not saying it's beyond your control. It is. But what you must do, friends, is remember that it is God who has ordained this. Trust him. Trust him. Friends, consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked?